Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time. And that whenever and wherever you happen to be in this diverse dimension, I hope that you're able to consciously decide to no longer be service to self if you have been mostly service to self. And I'm hoping that you're able to decide consciously to serve God or, you know, your higher self by helping other people. And if you don't have time to go out and volunteer, that's okay. And if you're afraid of getting a disease or whatever, that's okay because you could still be of service to the divine and kind of promote your own spirituality along the way. And what I mean by that is when you help others, you boost yourself. Uh, so what I'm talking about is before you fall asleep, asking your higher self or your spirit guide or your holy guardian angel to help you help others. So what you could say before you go to bed, you could say, Hey, Holy guardian angel. I know you're hanging out here and I wanted to let you know that I am willing to work tonight in service of the divine. So let me help out in whatever way I can. Now, the first night you do this, you might not get anything. (laughs) You might just be like, that was weird. And eventually there'll come a time where you wake up in the morning and you're exhausted (laughs) because you actually have been working out all night out of your body, not working out like, you know, lifting weights, you know, pumping iron or whatever. But I mean, working out of your body. And what does that look like? What, What form does that take? Now, I have gone around to people that needed my help. As the Archangel of Death, I am Archangel Azrael. And as the Archangel of Death, I'm incarnate in human form, but in my spirit form, I could go to places that most people cannot go. And I've gone to people's hellscapes when they did not need to be in hell, but they've created like a weird side dimensional world or like a weird kind of astral plane existence that they believed they wanted to go to because they're depressed and I've been able to pull them out. Like God has put me on assignment where you need to go to, it's like a lot. I think it might be called the lost city. And it's just this really, really like, it looks like an abandoned city. It's so depressing. And I was walking the streets of the lost city and there's like bars where people are doing a lot of drugs or they're drinking a lot. And there was like sex clubs where it's like hundreds of people in an orgy. And, um, I was like, ew, like I looked in the window for a second, like, Oh, what's that? You know, cause I'm supposed to be looking for this, this young teenage girl who had, um, had, uh, unalived herself. And so I was like, okay, where the hell am I going to find this? this uh, girl, because I was told that she did not need to be in hell. She believes she's going to hell because of what she did, but because of her mental health uh, state, her depression, she did not need to be, uh, you know, there at all. So 
I had to find her, but man, I was walking those streets all night long in this very dark city. It was like at night and there was like these, um, neon lights, like blue and red. And, um, you know, the streets were different colors. Like some were, were hot pink near the orgy was like hot pink and red. And then towards where she was, it was like purple and blue. And these neon lights were like on top of the buildings and they were like streaks of light. Uh, you know, it's like a strip of light and then it, it would shine down. And because it was such a depressing place, it was always raining. And so like the lights made it kind of somewhat beautiful, weirdly enough, because it'd be reflecting the light in the rain that's on the, the, uh, black top you know, all the streets were black, not like gray, like a typical, um, like city street in the U S for example, or even where I live, it's kind of like a pale gray color for the roads, but in this particular, um, astral plane hellscape area, um, it, 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 the streets are black. And so it was very depressing. And when I finally found her, she was like very morose and, you know, hiding out and she was afraid she was like hiding in a building. And I said, I'm here to get you. I know you're there and you don't belong here. And she's like, I do because of what I did. And I'm like, no, you don't. I'm going to, I'm going to bring you to where you need to be. You know, I love you. And I'm in, you know, and I don't think I said I'm an archangel at that time. I did not have the conscious awareness that I was, but I said, I'm your helper. Now I was sent for you. And I just want to let you know that, that God loves you and everything's fine. And she told me she saw the other people and she was really afraid of them. I said, they're in their own, like, um, it's kind of like a karmic cycle and they're just kind of stuck over there doing their addictions. You know, that was like addiction alley or whatever, you know, and she was more in her own little morose neighborhood. She was the only person there all by herself. And she believed she deserved to be alone forever. And, um, it didn't help that she kind of romanticized that part of Gothic culture, you know, like being, a like morose to the point of it being becoming deadly and having that existential dread as a sign of coolness. And, you know, it was just so sad to see that. I was just like, Oh man, like there's like a, there's like a vibe and an aesthetic to that, which I some somewhat relate to, but not in the morose dreading life type of thing. I don't dread life. I don't dread death. I am death and my, my sweet beloved twin flame, he is life. So I'm not, you know, interested in being constantly upset about stuff that we really don't have much control over. Anyway, I'm the archangel death and I don't have control over my death. I can, I have done divine restraining orders against my own premature death and also for my twin and my kids and all that. And I just looked in 717 on the timer. Oh man, I've been in. Yeah, I've been seeing 711 and 111 and 77. I've I've been seeing these numbers everywhere, like probably six times a day. I've seen um, a random. My friend said, oh, check out this video. It it is a Virgo tarot card reading for the week. And I'm like, okay, went to it. 111 um, likes and 717 views. (laughs) I'm like, yep, this is what's, this is what's happening. Um, anyway, so, but that's one example, right? And another, um, another thing 
I have been able to, um, I was shown that I, I went to Thailand and I flew over there in my astral body and I didn't direct it. I asked God, you know, I'll serve you tonight. What do you need? And, and this is of course, before I even knew I was an archangel. So I went flying over to, um, Thailand and I was told to stand in front of some people at these tables and they could not see me, but I was to pray for them. And I'm like, that's really weird. Uh, pray for what? Pray for their protection and safety. And then I watched a car bomb go off. And the next day I looked on the news, there was a car bomb in Thailand and it took out some people and the people seen at the cafe across the way from there were safe, luckily, right? Luck schmuck. I was there praying for their protection and safety. But anyway, you know, that kind of thing. So like I've asked, you know, what can I do? I would like to be of service. Let me be of service. There was a, a, I think I've mentioned this one before where there was a man, um, who was homeless in a car with his little girl. He lost his job. And, um, I don't know if his wife had died or if she was, um, like if they divorced, I, I think he, she had died and he was just emotionally completely distraught, lost his job, lost his apartment, living in the car with his daughter who was very, very young and it was cold out and he was crying and crying and crying. And I appeared to him. I don't know, I guess astrally, but he was in the astral dimension as he was in the physical dimension. I knocked on his window and I said, um, can I help you? And he's like, no, I never asked anyone for help. I'm like, yeah, but I think you need to because you're homeless. And I knew his whole situation because God had told me. And he's like, how did you know this? I'm like, I'm just here to help you. You know, I'm here to give you some love and, and help you. And, um, I said, okay, here's all the things you need to do. And I told him about, um, like the unemployment office. He lost his job you know, he got fired so he can go get money and, um, there's government housing. And I told him about all the different programs that I knew about. And I said, there's even more. If you go to the unemployment office, they will lead you to and guide you to other offices that will give you immediate housing, immediate money, immediate food stamp benefits. And he's like, well, I thought those were only for women. I'm like, no, you're a single parent with a child. You just lost your house and your job you completely qualify, you know, men can qualify too. Well, he didn't know that he had all this, um, all these misnomers about it, you know? So I'm like, no, no, you can qualify for all of it. You know, um, it'll get you back on your feet enough so that you can get out there and get a job again and, um, everything will be great, you know? And and then you can move out of that housing and, you know, not have, you know, the aid and the aid's just there for you while you need it. You know, it's okay you know? And so he was so grateful and he was crying. He's like, thank you so much. You saved my, my life and my little girl's life. He was afraid of his little girl being taken away from him. I'm like, if you go seek unemployment first and then they give it to you, now you've got some money coming in and then you go to like the, you know, ask them where you go for housing. They will guide you to like the food stamp people, which is not CPS. It's a totally different, you know, entity. And CPS never has to be even informed, you know, like you're trying to help your child. And so while you're trying to help, you're not hurting, you know what I mean? So he was like, okay, 
he was so scared. And I was like, Nope, this is how you do it. So, um, it might be like, so whatever you might have information on, you might, um, your part of helping might be to go and sit with somebody on a park bench in, um, their dreamscape or in the astral world. And they'll ask you something or you'll just know what they need. You know, so when you ask divine, I need to help, or I would like to help you. I would like to be of service tonight. If you need me, just let me know, you know, so do this when, you know, the next day you don't have a lot to do at work or, you know, if, if the next day was like, you know, a day you had off and you weren't going to do anything anyway till the later afternoon, you could have time to sleep in, you know, um, you know, and I would not recommend doing it every single night, but you can, if you want, if you have, uh, you know, excess amount of energy, I know for me, I don't, but, um, God knows that I'm available whenever he needs me anytime since 2007, which is why I'm exhausted a lot because <laughs> I'm actually working a lot. So I'm going to tell you guys something that happened to me last night that I woke up, um, right after this happened and it, it I woke up and within one minute, my friend called me And then after she and I were done talking, it was like, oh my God, I remembered the whole thing. I'm like, holy shit. So I wanted to tell you guys because it was really cool what happened. Um, All right, let me see. I wrote it down here in my program, but let's see. Here we are. Um, I've got to scroll to the bottom of this thing and now I've got to find my glasses. Dagnabbit. Okay. Okay. So, um, all right, here we go. Uh, I had to buy locate to a man and his wife, uh, because the man was dying. He was, I think in his eighties, maybe his late seventies or eighties, something like that, but he was dying and he was a very old man, a very special person, a very, very special man. And I basically held him in my arms while he died in my arms. So I'm going to tell you what happened. So this happened in the United States. I, God made me go and by late by locate to him and to his wife. And so I had to appear physically to them. Now, I don't know. I mean, God can do wild things with time. God created and invented time after all. So we went on a road trip for many days. Now this is weird because I didn't, I wasn't gone for many days. I, I woke up the day after the day I went to bed. I, you know, I wasn't gone for a week and then woke up, which would be very freaky if that happened. But, um, so this is what happened. Uh, so but you can go and be gone for days. If you buy locate, usually you're not going to buy locate. It takes a lot of, you know, years to be able to do this, but maybe you are maybe because we're becoming more multidimensional and less constricted to the physical. Uh, this may or may not happen for you, but I think I physically left my body and I went to this man and his wife and he was on an adventure of, of sorts. And, and, he said that his, his doctor said, you're dying, but you're still relatively, you've got enough, you know, energy. You could do whatever you want. So he had cancer. And so he's like, I want to go on a, 
trip of a lifetime with my wife and have one last hurrah, one last adventure. So, okay, great. So we were uh, going to all these places. We're mostly just driving through the places and walking for a few moments. And then he would get tired and we, he'd go back into the, the, the van and I was hired. There was like a nurse and me. And so I was like hired by the company where that had the private nurse, you know, and they needed a volunteer. And so I was a volunteer to just drive him in his van, right? He and his wife, it might've even been like a motor home, but it's really small one. I can't really remember what it was. I think it was actually like a van. It was like, uh, maybe even a VW that's like a motor home, but also a van. It might've been like a, I think it was a baby blue VW actually. And I normally can't drive those, but for whatever reason, I guess I bilocated into a body with long enough legs. <laughs> I'm too short to drive one the way I am now, but I just showed up as a younger woman and I was able to, you know, do this. And so he, um, said, I want to go to our cabin and he had a cabin in the woods. And so we went to the cabin in the woods and we spent the night and we walked a gentle hike and we drove around and we explored and um, he and his wife had their romantic time alone together while the nurse and I just kind of sipped our our coffee quietly with blankets on our laps because it was kind of cold there I don't even know where we were somewhere in the US but we just drove around and explored and then uh, we went to the next day we went to this convention hall of sorts and I think, and I can't be reasonably sure, but I think it was like a UFO conference. There were booths and we were walking through that part where the booths are. And on the other end, there was like a stage and it had like red curtains, but the carpet was like kind of gold with like a little bit of maroon in it. And it was a, like a UFO conference. And I think that this man had been a general in the army or something like that, but I do know he was very special. He was a decorated war veteran, but he was a very, very deeply spiritual man. And I think he was possibly involved in the UFO community and maybe disclosure. I think he had something to do with all of the disclosure that started happening recently. And he, uh, was in this hall He asked his wife to go get him um, a a bottle of water, and she said, okay. And he said, maybe some snacks for us. And and he was feeling a little tired. He said, I want to sit here and kind of lean on this table for a minute and get my bearings, and then we'll go sit down together when you come back. And he knew he was going to die in that moment, and he didn't want his wife to see. So because he thought it'd be too hard on her. And I felt like that was the reason why he asked her to go get snacks. And cause we could have asked the nurse to do it. Right. You know, or the nurse could have stayed with him and I could have done it, but no, he wanted for whatever reason to be alone with me and the nurse because he didn't want his wife to know that he was about to die. And he, he thought it would be too heart wrenching cause they were soulmates. And so uh, he stumbled and his face turned kind of purplish blue and kind of gray. And I saw the life start to drain out of him and he stumbled and I, I caught him. 
he kind of fell a little bit forward, lunged forward. And I, I grabbed him and he was extremely heavy, like just so heavy. And I had to carry him and I had to lift him up and kind of bring him over to the table. He was going to lean against, right? And I kept thinking he was going to be okay, but I saw his color change so rapidly. I thought, oh shit, this is the end. So his wife was gone, going to get the food for him. And he died before she could come back. It was like super quick. And he told me, tell my wife, I love her. And I said, okay, I will. And he looked into my eyes and he saw something in my eyes change. And I told him, I am Azrael, the original archangel of death. And as he looked into my eyes, I showed him heaven in my eyes. I didn't know I could even do that, but I was able to show him heaven in my eyes and he believed me. And I said, I am here to help you. I came here specifically for you. I'm the original archangel of death and God sent me to be with you in this moment. And I will help you to heaven. And he relaxed and he let go and it worked. He, he was able to move on and he died while looking into my eyes, looking into the heaven in my eyes that I was reflecting back to him. And then he died and I watched the life go completely out of his eyes and he was gone. And I started to put his body on the ground and the nurse helped me and we we're like, Oh my God. And She's like, someone call 911. And I'm like, I mean, this guy's gone. He's not coming back. And his wife was starting to come back and she saw him. And of course she just, you know, ran as fast as she could and put the snacks on the table and the waters and stuff. And she was crying and and she was like, oh my God, he's gone. I'm like, yeah, he's gone. I'm sorry. You know, but he, it was so quick and he was at peace in that final moment. I looked into his eyes and he, he had complete peace on his face. And she was like, thank you for being here for him. I'm like, yeah, of course. But it was like crazy. Like he was totally standing on his own weight in one second. The next second, he was a heavy ass sack of potatoes. Like it was hard for me to hold him up. I'm thinking I'm a little bit sore right now in my back, but I think tomorrow if this is, gonna translate to this physical body because I, I I take part of my energy and I leave and I formulate a new body and then I go somewhere where no one can see me dematerialize that body fly back over here into this body and sometimes when I have these kinds of service um, experiences where I'm bilocated I will like, man, I'll be exhausted the next day or I'll feel, um, even two days later, I'll feel physically very, very, um, just like overwrought. Like my body is like, it feels like I've been working out really hard, (laughs) you know, holding this man up physically was just like, Oh my God. And then, um, I had this very real sense of going into my body slamming back into my body, opened my eyes, took a breath. And I just, I tensed up my whole body to get my life force into my body so I could be more aware and awake. I started to roll over the cat meow. I realized she was laying next to me. She was laying next to her dragon that I bought her. That looks just like her. It's the how to train your dragon dragon. 
There's a black dragon with green eyes that looks just like her, but with wings. Looks like a cat with wings. It's actually a dragon. It has a dragon tail. But, you know, I and I was just, like, trying to get my bearings, and the phone rang, and it was my friend. She's like, I've got to talk to you. I'm sorry to wake you up. And I was like, oh, my God, it was 1 in the afternoon. <laughs> one is one oh seven, and he died in the middle of the day. So that was very weird. Like, I don't know how I was there with them for, like, two or three days. But God is very mysterious that way. Like, you can go and do some service work, and you'll be in a place where there is no night or where you don't know the difference between night and day. Or you might end up on the astral plane or... Who knows? You might just, you know, have a dream. You're like working as a secretary in an office. The phone will ring and someone will ask you for your advice. And boom, there you go. And then you wake up like that was a bizarre dream. But if you ask to be of service to the divine before you go to sleep, you got to pay attention to your dreams. The next day you'll wake up and go, wait a minute. I think something happened. This is pretty damn cool. I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty damn cool. And when I first started consciously asking, I'd already helped a lot of people before I even knew to ask, even before I took on the mantle of service to God or the mantle of godly service. It's called where you just basically do whatever God tells you and you don't question. It's just, I mean, me, I question, I rebel a little bit, but then I always do what he wanted in the end anyway. (laughs) But so I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just telling you guys this because it, it will give you, well, brownie points of God and gain you good karma, but it also makes you feel good. And also it gets you out of your own head and get you away from this constant shadow work on yourself or the problems in your current life. If you're having issues with your uh, job or with, um, you know, with a spouse or with a boyfriend or girlfriend, I mean, it's something you can do that will take you completely out of everything that you're doing. Because when you have a dream like this, you're fully in it. And then you wake up and you're like, whoa, and you almost don't remember, or at least for me, this has happened many times where I wake up and I'm like, no, I don't remember who I am, where I'm at. Look around like this isn't even familiar. And then after a couple of seconds, it's like what I was thinking, of course it's familiar. Like I was just, I was just sleeping in a log cabin yesterday. What? (laughs) How am I in such a different place right now? It's like, I'm in a different country. I wake up in a different country than where I was at. But the first time I consciously said, okay, God, I want to be of service to you was after I, uh, spoke with grandma Marion, Reverend Marion Jones the last time. And I talked about her a lot in season one and she and I just spent hours talking about spiritual stuff. I mean, imagine being with somebody who's older and wiser with a lot more experience than me and just like staying with them for several days, right? So imagine you're staying with me for several days and I talk about all the stuff I talk about on the show. This is my life. This is the stuff I talk about normally and naturally. And I make a lot of people weirdly uncomfortable. (laughs) You know, people want to talk about, I had a fight with my neighbor or whatever. And I'm just like, 
Oh, all right. Well, I held a man last night while he died in my arms after I bilocated to the United States and stayed there for several days because apparently I can go backwards in time or forward or whatever. You know, it's just like, (laughs) it's like my conversation is just completely off the wall compared to everyone else's. But imagine that. So like Marion was that for me. She was all of our conversations were, I believed every word she said and she was completely off the wall. It just, but in the moment while I'm talking to her, it's like, oh yeah, I know she's telling the truth. This is wild. You know, she told me some wild stuff, but one day she said, you know, um, I've been processing people as they cross over to Bardo. I'm like, what are we talking about right now? You know, Bardo, what are you talking about? Never heard it called that. And she's like, yeah, it's like the waiting room in between, you know, earth and heaven or well, hell, you know, usually people don't get processed if they're going to hell. Usually it's just like, get there, get the hell in there. Bye. You know, let the devil handle it. Like, it's just, yeah, it's not my, not my jurisdiction, but I will open the portal for it. You know, when I go to open a portal for somebody, um, it's either hell or heaven. Right. And in the beginning, it was just, I'm sending them into the light and Archangel Mike will take them somewhere else. If that's not where they belong, they'll go into the firelight, <laughs> you know, not the light light, right? Not the bright light, but the firelight. But, uh, so I don't know, but this is how Marion was for me. She was like this wild person. And she, the way I talk now is the way that she was talking back then (laughs) where every topic, every day, everything she brought up was like, Whoa, that is intense information. Holy shit. Right. So she said, yeah, I've been processing people as they cross over to Bordeaux. I'm the one that they come to and I have to inform them that they're dead and they have to sit in the waiting room and I sit with them and I will open a door and then send them in one by one. And I was like, holy shit, that's like in um, Beetlejuice when the couple dies. You know, this is not much of a spoiler alert because it's like, what, 30, 40 years after that movie was a movie. I love that movie. Beetlejuice 2 is coming. I'm so excited about that. Uh, I love Tim Burton. Wednesday, I saw the first episode, but it's really dark. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. I didn't want to have that scary energy with me, um, today. So I don't watch it today. Maybe tomorrow or the next day I'll watch another one, but there's like a darkness to it that I didn't expect. I think a lot of humor though, and it is Tim Burton. So I'll probably get back into it, but, um, yeah. So anyway, so, so she says, I just process people and she says, but I'm not going to be around much longer. And she said, after I baptize, uh, uh, your daughter, I'm not going to baptize any more babies. And my own son, I know it wasn't her, I, maybe it's her nephew. Maybe was, I think she says her nephew. She didn't have a son. It was her nephew's baby. She was asked to baptize their baby. And she says, I'm not gonna be around for that. And I just like was crying because I, I knew she, what she meant. And sure enough, um, I got pregnant with uh, my son and that's when she died. And I, I just knew it, you know, and she said, I'm not going to baptize any more babies. And she said, I think you guys are going to have another one. You're going to have a boy, but I think you're going to have an option for a third child, but you don't have to take it. 
but the boy you do need to take. You, he has to be born. And I'm like, okay, okay. You know, and, and not long after that, I was pregnant with my son and I think we'd baptized my daughter. She was like, well, it was in November and she was born in March. So whatever that was, she was like almost nine months old. We used to travel with her in the Vita. We had a a bright turquoise blue VW uh, bus that was awesome. It had a Porsche 911 motor in it, and it was freaking awesome. We had, like, extra power in it, and I'm boosting things. Oh, man, it went so freaking, it hauled ass. It It went 85 miles an hour. (laughs) <laughs> uphill against the wind. I mean, a VW bus, you're lucky if you get 35 miles an hour uphill against the wind, but my, my husband knew what he was doing. He souped it up really well. <laughs> and before he died, he actually, um, had it running on, um, or actually lower, I guess it was increasing the fuel efficiency by like 38%. So like he had this water thing where he was kind of running it on a water engine. I don't know how to explain it because I don't understand it myself, but he got these plans and he put it together and he tinkered with it. And he was getting like 38% more, um, gas mileage. I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> like this is really trippy shit. It was like with baking soda and he had all these tubes coming off. It was just, it was just nuts anyway. Um, so we were in that VW and we were camping and I was very pregnant and we had this psychedelic beetle infestation in the wood in the house. And it's like one of those things that they're wood boring beetles. And before the trees are cut down, the beetles, uh, bore into it. So, but it's obvious that there's beetles on there. So they built the house knowing that 20 years from now, these beetles are going to come out of the wood so they built the house and sold it, um, like 15 to 17 years later. So we'd been in the house for actually wasn't even, it was almost 20 years later because we bought it. It was built in 1980 and we, and we moved in in 2000. And so, I mean, within a year or two, these wood boring beetle, no, it was within two years, the wood boring beetles start coming out of the wood, literally <laughs> these psychedelic things. Like they were Christmas red and green and shiny in the light and you look at them certain angles they're like very psychedelic looking like very um you know like rainbow colors and metallic they looked really bitchin right except the fact that they were eating our fucking house (laughs) whoa we were like oh shit and they're like yeah it's like a 20 25 year life cycle for these things so you know they built the house knowing it was going to happen sold it knowing you know, that they would have to sell it or tent it. So $8,500 later after that's how much we had to pay to tent our three story house. It was such a pain in the ass, but, um, we were camping in a campground and I got word that we got word, like maybe the day before that grandma and Marion had passed away because she had taken, um, she was on ibuprofen and it shut her kidneys down and it killed her. So her doctor killed her with 800 milligram ibuprofens, a a doctor's prescription. So that made us quite angry. We're quite upset. And I laid down one night to sleep and I was really uncomfortable. 
and I and I had to sleep. We had a tent that came off the VW, and and we had like sleeping bags, you know, in the bottom of the tent, and so it was kind of like a two bedroom house, you know, and we had like a kitchen in it, and so we had to go stay in this campground for a few days while we're waiting for the tent situation to, you know, get done with, and then we could go home. We were staying in our town, you know, we didn't want to go on a trip at this point because I was so very pregnant with my son and our daughter was too. And so we were like, all right, we're just gonna make it simple. We're just gonna go to the little campground over here. All right, cool. We'll camp for a few days. It'll be fun. We'll have marshmallows. It'll be great. So, um, order pizza, whatever. So, um, I was very uncomfortable and I was like sleeping in the bed in the van and I'm like, it's too freaking hot. I need to go, um, you know, outside. I think it was like in August and my son was born in October. So it was hot as hell, you know, Northern California in the woods in the mountains. And it was hot. And as I laid down and I remember I just finally got into the right position, fall asleep and grandma Marion comes to me and she says, um, you're going to take over my work for Bardo. You're going to take over. You're going to do the godly service. So just ask before you sleep. And I said, okay. And so then I woke up going, whoa, that was trippy. And then I went back to sleep and I said, God, right before I fell asleep, I said, God, let me be a, a, you know, divinely service to you, whatever you need. Next thing you know, I'm in this waiting room and it was this weird pallor of a pale green and very odd looking place. Um, and I had like a secretary's desk and there's these little benches and there's all these, um, Afghani soldiers and there were some soldiers from Iraq and I'm like oh this is really a trip right and I'm like all right and this guy asked me what is this what is this place I was out on the field I was you know in the middle of this war I was shooting they were shooting at me now I find myself here in this office with you and who are you you know he's like are you part of the U.S. Army I'm like no (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, these people don't know they're dead. Holy shit. So I had to tell a room full of young soldiers from two different countries that were fighting two different wars. I had to tell them that they're dead and I'm here to process them and help them cross over Bardo. And, you know, this is, you know, you're going to go and have your uh, judgment, your minor judgment day, not the big, big judgment day where everyone goes, but, you know, just the minor one. And, this guy started crying his eyes out saying, Oh, I wanted to get married. He says, I don't want to die a virgin. And I'm thinking to myself too late. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Better luck next time. (laughs) There will be a next time. And I didn't want to be sarcastic and rude. So I was like keeping all my jokes to myself. And I'm like, um, yeah, you're, you're dead. I'm sorry. You did die a virgin. And he started crying and he's pleading with me. He's like, please, please send me back. Send me back. I don't, (laughs) he's like, I want to have a wife. I want to have children. And then he, he's, he tried to get down on his knee to ask me to marry him. He's just desperate, you know, desperate for, you know, sex, for a life, for children, for like anything other than the war, anything other than death. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, no. And I was like making, like, he's trying to get down on one knee and I'm trying to force him back up. And I'm like, no, sir, you need to sit down. 
<laughs> you need to wait your turn. Oh man. I was just like, Oh my God, I'm a secretary for, for dead people. <laughs> so I, it was just like this crazy moment. I was just like, sir, you need to sit down. I'm so sorry. And I'm starting to cry. He's starting to cry. And all these other men are starting to realize, Holy shit, we're all dead. And they all start crying. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't think I'm doing this right. You know, like, this is so fucked up. I'm like, thanks, Grandma Marion, but that's how I jumped into this godly service thing consciously. I'd already been doing it for years, but I didn't know. I didn't know it was possible. I didn't know what was going on. And um, I have asked God, can I help people, cross people over to Bardo? You know, and um, and other times I'll just say, I just want to be of service in whatever capacity. So usually, um, it's, I'm talking to somebody about something, you know, counseling them about something that they need when they're dire and desperate, you know, they want to give up or they don't know where to turn and they're really scared. Um, usually that's the kind of situations I'm in. You know, I think I had a dream that I was in a soup kitchen, um, giving people soup and that I was just helping the homeless people and giving them words of encouragement. I think that was like a few nights ago. I can barely remember it. I think all week I've been doing stuff like this and I don't even ask anymore because God knows I am at his beck and call. So whatever he needs, he knows I'm going to send her where she needs to be, you know, provided I'm not like really sick or having physical issues with my body, um, with allergies or asthma. Um, then I will just go work all night long. But anyway, I wanted to tell you guys about this cause it was so interesting. It was so interesting, but I like it because when you come back, you're like, Whoa, it's a totally different experience. It gives you a totally different perspective. You know, you see how bad other people have it. And you feel a lot better about yourself. They might see you in your life and they might go, wow, I'm glad I don't have that life. That's a terrible life. <laughs> I feel better about my life. You know, it's weird. It's like a mutual thing. Like nobody wants to switch lives with anyone else. When you see the reality of it, you know, some other people's lives, you think, oh, well, their life is uneventful. And maybe it's a little bit better than mine because, you know, I've seen so many people die and I've seen so many tragedies and so many horrific things. And they just have this really easy, quiet life like man. But if you really get into their um, world, you'll see how stifling it is. And your soul probably couldn't take that kind of um, boring day to dayness anyway. You know, maybe you're soul chose adventure because you're wanting to grow rapidly. And also you just can't take that day in and day out, you know, same old, same old bullshit. Like some people can't take that. And some people long for that kind of a life. And then when they have it, it's awesome. And then three weeks later, they're like, this blows me. <laughs> this is why so many people that have, uh, you know, a long-term job and they retire, usually they die within like three years because they're just like, this isn't what I wanted. I had so much fun in my job or I, you know, liked being busy every day, you know, and a lot of, you know, people will take up a hobby or, you know, whatever, because they're just like, I don't know what the hell to do. I wish that, that people would retire and say, maybe it's time to learn more about spiritual stuff and metaphysical stuff and let's spiritually grow. You know, I've got the rest of my life. So, Hey, let's do that. I never was into that before, but maybe this is the time I wish that people would do that because I think it would raise the vibration of this planet considerably, you know, people that are older and a lot more wiser about everything. And 
they can help the younger people as well. And the new people coming in, I wouldn't say new, but people in their 20s, the Gen Xers and the Millennials, um, there's a lot more people with a lot more spiritual awareness coming in in those age groups as well. I mean, I've noticed some of the stuff that my, my own child tells me, both of my children actually. It's it's like, it blows my mind. I'm like, God. I mean, when I think, you know, some of the stuff that my, my kid tells me, I'm like, God, it, at your age like the way that I was, like, I feel like I was a moron compared to you. Like, I mean, you know, when she was five years old, she was already learning algebra and solving for X. When she was eight years old, she finished high school math already at eight years old. She was just done. She wasn't even eight. She was like seven and a half. I think it was before she turned eight. She already finished all of her high school math. You know, and I'm like, when I was five years old, I used to think dust floating around my mom's living room in the sunbeams was nutrition from the sun. And I thought the sun was trying to feed me. So I went around licking the nutrition from the sun. I'm like, so like compared to you, dude, I was a complete moron. <laughs> you know, like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I tell my kids the way I was as a kid, they're like, oh my God, mom. Like, what the hell happened to you? I'm like, I, I was just living in my own head. <laughs> I was living in my own world, and it was nothing to do with a- any reality. <laughs> you know, I was doing my own thing, you know, talking to the crows in the window. I was eating nutrition from the sun. Like, I, I was in the morning, I would talk to the colony of fairies living on my mom's blanket. I mean, I have my own fucking world. Okay. <laughs> I think I was doing heavy psych psychedelics or something. It's how I, my life was crazy. When I was like a toddler, I remember a lot of what I was thinking and you know, like I would, man, I would have conversations with my, um, I had like a, an alligator and a turtle, like stuffed animal, I think. And I was just like, man, I mean, I had whole scenarios in my head. I knew I was going to be a writer when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was like three years old, people would be like, Oh, you're going to be a nurse. You're going to be a teacher. And I'd be like, no, I'm going to write for the Los Angeles times. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be, you know, I, I didn't know that there were other kinds of writers yet. And then when I got into kindergarten, I found out you could write fiction books. So I'm like, that's what I want to do. You know, and then I got older and I'm like, well, I could write screenplays and, and also I could write nonfiction books. So that's even more exciting for me. So that's where I'm at. You know, fictional screenplays and nonfictional books. That's what I write. But, and plus my podcast for you guys. So anyway, I got some of my statistics today from, or all my statistics of this year. This year is not finished yet. I still have another 20 something episodes to go for you guys. Well, just under, I think I have like 17 episodes or something left to go for you guys. But I wanted to tell you some of what Spotify sent me today. Um, as far as my, um, my statistics, cause I wanted to thank you guys so very much for some of this. Okay. So before we get into the space weather news, I wanted to tell you, I got to look at my screenshots here. Um, so here's some of my statistics that I learned about today. Uh, my very, my top episode I've ever, ever, ever done top episode of all time with the most listened were about the seven African powers and the Orishas. 
So I thought that was very, very interesting. Anyway, uh, I have this year alone, I have created 9,460 minutes of new content in 2022. This is 99% more content than all the other content creators in the religion and spirituality category. My podcast in 2022 was heard in 69 countries, the top countries. And I want to thank you guys personally, especially if you're in these countries, but even if you're not in these countries, cause I know I am, I've gone up in my numbers in Japan, in Finland, in, um, I think Nigeria and India and a few other places. It might be, some of that might be the scammers that contact me. And then I say, listen to my show. Don't scam people. Listen to my show, get more spiritual. (laughs) And I think some of these people are like, well, let's find out about her so we can scam her more. And then they listen to it and then they don't scam me. I haven't heard from a scammer in a while, which is pretty cool. And I'm grateful about that. Knock on wood, that will continue. But I send love and light to all the people of the world, including those people, because you know, they're just really trying to make a living like anyone else. It's not an honest living, but it's something, right? It's something that they're trying to do. But I was heard in 69 countries, and I wanted to thank the top five countries. United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, and Germany. So that's really, really cool. And like I told you guys, I've been talking to people from Germany. I've talked to a couple people from Australia Um, several people from um, the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom as well. So thank you guys for uh, contacting me. Thank you for listening. And thank you for sharing this show because check out this statistic. My podcast, Metaphysical Soul Speak the Podcast, was in the top 15% of all podcasts most shared globally. Oh my God, you guys, I'm like so heartened by this. Thank you so much. My podcast was in the top 15% most shared globally. And so here's how you guys, my listeners spread the word. 33% of you spread the word through text messages. Whoa, thank you so much. 24% of you shared my direct link with other people. 16% of you shared on Facebook about me. So what? Thank you so much. And 12% of you shared my show through WhatsApp. And 15% of you went through other means. I don't know what that means. Maybe word of mouth, possibly. But, oh my God, thank you so, so much. So, the percentage of my followers, or or my listeners, who have, um, who listen to the show and then decide to follow me, is 11%. I don't know why that's so low, so I'm going to try to change that next year. But, I am in the top 10% most followed podcasts in the world. Holy shit. You guys, thank you. 
I love you guys so much. This is so incredible. So I'm in the top 10% most followed podcasts. My listeners podcast personality. Now you guys got to brace yourself for this one. What do you think your personality is? (laughs) You're going to laugh maybe. So I talk about this all the time on the show. My listeners podcast personality is the time traveler, (laughs) the time traveler. Oh my God. That is so freaking cool. You guys are time travelers. It says your fans are audio time travelers. They seek out podcasts that are new to them, regardless of whether they're new to the rest of the world. Aw, I love that so much. My listeners have given my podcast a score of 4.7 out of 5 stars. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much. Woohoo! I'll try to bring that up closer to 5 next year. So, my podcast is in the top 10 podcasts for 712 fans. My podcast is in the top five podcasts for 404 fans. And my podcast is number one, numero uno podcast for 95 fans. I wish I could give you all a big group hug right now. (laughs) This is so freaking cool. So I wanted to personally thank you guys for the love and I give it all back to you. I can't do it without my listeners. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being here. And now back to the show. (laughs) Spaceweather.com. News and information about the sun, earth environment. That's where we go. Uh, or spaceweather.com is where we go to find that out. What is up in space right now, you guys? Solar wind speed right now, earlier is 555. Now it's 565.1 kilometers per second. We are inside a stream of fast moving solar wind right now with speeds occasionally topping 700 kilometers point per second. So we are having Arctic Circle uh, geomagnetic storms and aurora borealises. Yay! Love the northern lights. All right, here we go. All of the sunspots have simple magnetic fields that pose very little threat for strong solar flares. And we're on sunspot number 12. 12. We haven't seen that one in a while. That's pretty cool. Ulu neutron counts right now have gone up by 0.2% in the past 48 hours. And we are at 1.7% of the space age average, which is considered elevated. And this is according to Ulu Sodankaila Geophysical Observatory in Finland. Oh yeah, the Aurora Borealis is, man, they are touching Minnesota at this point. Woo! All of Canada. If you're in Canada, you're going to see it. That's beautiful. So, uh, the All Sky Fireball Network and NASA's All Sky Cameras scanned the skies above the U.S. And today they found 20 fireballs 
19 were sporadic. One was a November Omega Orionid. Next, we go to DisclosureNews.it out of Italy to find out what's going on over there with the Schumann Resonance News and what happened in Italy today was only 9 hertz frequency. 7.83 is considered the baseline, so, eh, you know, hey, it's not really, uh, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Not a lot going on there. So now we're going to go ahead and go to the GCMS Magnetometer at heartmath.org, which is known also as the Heart Math Institute. And again, 7.83 hertz frequency is the baseline. But what happened... All right, I had to reload the page just to make sure. Yep, we're this is the newest information. So what happened at the 2300 hour on Monday, November 28th was this. Oh, and we're starting with an angel number. California was at 66 hertz frequency. And Hopoof, Saudi Arabia was at zero hertz frequency. Lithuania was at 141 hertz frequency. Alberta, Canada was at 93 hertz frequency. Northland, New Zealand was at 100 hertz frequency. And last but not least, 191 hertz frequency is where they were at in Hulului. South Africa. All right. The highest in Hulului. Let me see if I could get it. I'm looking at it and I think it was 521 Hertz frequency. It was the highest they were at at the peak. And that was at Saturday at the 2300 hour at 26. I mean, on November the 26th. So yeah, 521. They kind of peaked there and then had a rapid decline. So that's huge. They went from like 521 and they're already back down to 191. Crazy, crazy stuff, right? All right. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to have some conversation about free will and how it works because somebody from Germany and I were talking a couple days ago and he was getting really frustrated with the concept of free will. Like, we had to really hash it out a little bit. And I thought, you know what, if he's struggling with this concept, maybe some of you are too. Maybe all of you are. So we're going to talk about this. uh, Now we were talking about miscarriages and babies and how does all all that end up in the divine plan. So we're going to talk about um, a lot of it right after this itty bitty musical ditty and I'll be right back all right so this guy Leo in Germany got me thinking about this stuff and I realized I have been remiss in not explaining these concepts to you together. I have described these things and talked about these things in various 
at various times in, in different episodes in relationship to other things, but never to, uh, lumping them together in one group. So what I'm talking about, of course, is the idea of free will, destiny or pre-planned fate and random events. Like how are they all connected and how the hell can you have a destiny and a pre-planned fate for everything in your life and also have free will when you get here, you have free will. So what is happening? And also what about all the random events? How can random events even happen if everything is destiny and pre-planned fate? And you know, what if you have the free will for those random events not to happen? Would they not happen then? So we had this long freaking conversation a couple days ago. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to make a show about this. I asked prime creator, should I make a show about this? He's like, definitely make a show about this. So, all right, we come to earth and it takes thousands of earth years to plan your life out. Do you plan every single day of your life, every single moment of your life? Oh no, you don't. Okay. You don't, um, you don't plan that, you know, on the day, say August 29th in 2032, you're going to eat steel cut oatmeal and you're going to get up 45 minutes early to make it because you want to be on time to work and you're going to put in blueberries and raspberries in it with a sprinkle of cinnamon and a dash of chocolate sauce. You don't plan that shit in heaven. (laughs) You don't plan that stuff in heaven. You just don't anything. What are you doing? Oh my God, my cat. Oh my God. Knowledge. She's licking the oil from the pan on my stove. Note to self, never reuse a pan (laughs) again. (laughs) There have been times I'm like, God, I thought there was more oil in the pan from a couple hours ago. And then I realized that my cat does this licking of the oil thing. And I have this, um, Oh my God. I even use a little bit of uracil. I hope that's not bad for her. Is it? No, God says no. I, I made chorizo. I never make chorizo, but I had one chorizo in the freezer left and I had some eggs and I thought, well, (laughs) I'm not eating any carbs today. So I might as well have chorizo and eggs because I'm eating um, only protein and I added a little oil in there. And in my coffee today, I had a lot of coconut oil. So that was my, that was my day. But, um, I just caught my cat eating chorizo oil, (laughs) which is quite spicy. So, and then she, and then she's like licking her, well, she was like kind of licking her face, licking her lips after that. Like, damn, that was really good. Oh man. (laughs) Oh my God. I should wash my pans immediately. Knowledge. Oh my God. Hilarious. 
totally threw me off what, what I was doing, but maybe that was worth it for you guys. Okay. Um, so yeah, we don't pre-plan everything we're going to eat. Like knowledge, you know, that was just a random event and it was her free will to lick chorizo oil out of the pan <laughs> to illustrate my point in a really weird way. She did not pre-plan her life to come here. She's a, a leering humanoid that decided to come here in a cat body, but she didn't plan on eating oil today on, you know, three o'clock in the morning on December 1st. No, 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 no. That's not how the, the, this stuff works. So, so I had to explain it to him. And then I was like, well, now I got to really think it through myself based on everything I've been taught, everything I've been told, everything I've channeled from God and other beings. So this is what I've come up with. It does take a thousand or more years, sometimes a couple thousand years to plan a life. You've got to plan your parents. You've got to plan other people you're going to deal with. So you have to have a conversation with these people. Sometimes you got to wait till they finish a life and die and come back to heaven. So you could go, Hey, glad you got home. Uh, come over here. I'm trying to plan a life with you want to know when you're going to be available, (laughs) what year and what country you're going to live in. You know, I got to talk to you about some things. I I have some ideas. So it takes a long time. I mean, in heaven, it's, it's not that much. I mean, it's a long time in heaven, but it'd be the equivalent of like a thousand years on earth. It's, um, maybe longer in heaven, actually thousands upon thousands, maybe of earth or of heaven years. I don't know how time is there compared to here. So when you're planning this, not only are you planning your family, you might be planning your genetics and you need to plan it out in a way that you'll be born to a family in which your genetic code would include whatever disease you need to have to learn and grow or for a karmic, um, payback to the universe or whatever, you know, maybe you definitely want allergies. So you don't become a zookeeper or that you don't get lost in having five or six dogs and forget to deal with humans. You know, you might have a reason for these things that is not immediately apparent. You know, like maybe you want to make sure you're in a family that does not have heart disease because oopsies, you've picked many lifetimes in a row in which you died of a heart attack. Well, shit howdy, you don't want to do that again. So now this is the time you're going to be with a strong, healthy heart people. Okay. So you've got to pick your genetic parents, you know, like what is, you know, what family line do you want to be in? Also, you may want to pick a family line that has hereditary witchcraft. You might want to pick a family line that has a shitload of generational trauma and curses because you're the generational curse breaker, you know, and you've got to also realize that not only is important to figure out the family line and the parents, but also it's important to figure out what happens when they play their wild card of free will? <laughs> oh shit. I mean, 
sometimes you need to be born in the 1960s and sometimes the family you're supposed to be born to and be a part of can't it can't happen so it's there's got to be some convoluted you know way to get there anyway I was supposed to be born into the Fox family, for example. And I was instead born into my birth mother's family. And it only took me 54 years (laughs) to figure out when God showed me kind of a matrix of how this shit convolutedly happened. My mother, whose maiden name was Fox, was supposed to give birth to me. She tried for 17 years to have a baby. And she could not get pregnant. She had RH negative blood, and my dad had RH positive blood, and the pregnancies just weren't taking. So... They were fated to be together. They had planned to be together. They were, they were married for 17 years before I came into the picture and they stayed together another five years after. So what's that? Like 22 years they were together. Very much loved each other. Very close. Like they would have been together forever, but you know, some things did happen and some things didn't happen. And you know how shit falls apart, you know, because this is Earth. We've got free will, and there's a lot of randomness, a lot of wild cards. But so, because my mother, whose last main name was Fox, could not have me, I still had to have this genetic code from from this family, right? So what God showed me was that my grandfather's father impregnated a woman who was married and he was married but they had an affair and she got pregnant and I think rather than getting caught he said hey kids we're moving to California (laughs) okay can't really sing the Beverly Hillbillies right here but pretty much we're going to California Ooh, (laughs) let's see if we can't strike gold somewhere else right so he leaves and my um, grandfather who is my birth grandfather it was his mother that had the affair so I'm already related to the family I ended up being adopted by (laughs) And all this shit was pre-planned for thousands of years before, you know, we all were here. And nobody really, I don't really know, know this, but God showed me how this works. I'm like, why is it that I look a lot like my adopted mom and her, her father and my birth grandfather grew up the same age, both into construction, both living on the same land in the the Cherokee lands. And I'm like both of them. Why? Turns out they both have the same father. (laughs) Holy shit. I'm my own cousin, guys. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's so weird. So 
you know, that's one of the things where, you know, here my mom can't and my dad, like they're just having like this, you know, they can't, but they ended up having me. I was still related to her. And she always said people, I would walk into a room and they go, Oh, you must be her daughter. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I totally see the family resemblance. My God, your cheekbones that you guys are, you're strongly like, you really look a lot like, like him. She'd look at me and I'd look at her and I'd be like, I don't know. You know, our feet looked um, very similar. She had prettier feet than mine, but our feet were similar. Our lips were shaped similar. I mean, we had similar um, facial structure. We had the same birthmark on the back of our necks. I mean, this this stuff gets wild, man. <laughs> so, anyway, so here we go. Um, so, yeah, a thousand years to plan. And, and we, what are we planning out when we're there? Planning it out. We're not planning out the random events. We're not planning happy or sad accidents. We're not planning, you know, what we're going to eat at every meal and what day we're going to happen to, you know, not eat enough protein or collapse because we were dehydrated. We don't plan that shit out. All of that is wild card, random and free will territory. So what do we plan out? So we plan out our parents. And if we cannot pick our parents because they've got free will and they get here and go, Oh shit, I don't want to breed. What was I thinking? Well, fuck that. Cancel that soul contract. And you still need to be born in the sixties. You're going to be born to the next family over, or you're going to be born somewhere where it's going to make sense. I could not be born to, you know, my mother, whose name was Fox. So I had to be born to this other family and then adopted by the, by this woman whose name was Fox. And, and to honor my grandfather, Fox, I took his name, even though that was through the matrilineal line from me. And now I realize, and now I realize why I start talking to my ancestors from the Fox side Cause I'm wondering why are they coming to me when I'm not genetically related? And then I realized, Oh snap. I actually, Oh, there was an affair. No one knew about. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now I understand a hell of a lot more than I did before. So you see how it was manipulated in a way where it was just like, Oh, <laughs> you know, there's more than one way to do some of these things. So, okay, you pick your parents, you pick the time, you pick the country you're going to be born. You're going to pick some of the weird random shit, like you're allergic to bananas, you're allergic to dogs, but not to cats or whatever it is. You know, you pick your, pick your disease. You know, I picked a lot of freaking diseases. I <laughs> And they all begin with A. I'm like, I just grabbed the chapter out of the book and I slammed it on the desk and I said, I want all these. I really want to spiritually grow in this life. So give me angioedema, give me allergies, give me asthma, give me anxiety, give me arthritis. And I picked all the fucking A's. I don't know what I was thinking other than, uh, you know, I'm just crazy or something. I get here and I'm like, oh my God, I can't get through a damn day since I was 14 years old without some of this shit really messing up my day. It's like, how the hell 
why did I pick some of this shit? You know, a lot of it is karma. A lot of it, you're just working off karma. And a lot of it is, uh, some of it's false guilt. Um, a lot of it is to corral you in certain ways. Not that I was ever in any danger at all of being an athlete, but with the serious arthritis that like the pain that I've suffered, no way in hell was I going to be an athlete with the asthma when I could barely run. I did run track in high school for one year. I was terrible, <laughs> but I did strengthen my lungs a little bit, but there was no way in hell that I was going to run against Serena ever in my life. I was never going to be a part of anything to do with any type of coordination or sports, right? And it's because of the body that I picked, you know, like my, my stepmother used to say, I'm built for comfort, not speed, baby. (laughs) She didn't say baby. I added the baby. I'm the one that does the baby. Right. But yeah, no, I'm really, and truly I'm, you know, I, I'm, you know, I just, I can't even really jog very well. I just don't. (laughs) And then I broke my leg. That was a pre-planned event. I was planning on doing something somewhat a little bit athletic, walking the Camino, 800 kilometers, 500 miles. I was going to walk from the Pyrenees mountains down to the tip of Spain, you know, do the whole Camino and then some for another day or two and grab a boat and go on over to Morocco. That was the plan. And then travel through North Africa and then come back to Detroit or maybe go to Asia and then go back to Detroit where we were living. That was like the plan. And then I broke my leg right before I bought my house in Detroit. So yeah, nothing fucking went right. I didn't even get to see Spain yet. Damn it. One day, knock on wood, I will see Spain. But all the stuff I planned, oh, well, it didn't really work out, did it? So it turns out that maybe I did not pre-plan any of those trips. It was just a wild card, free will, random shit. And then what I did pre-plan, there was that broken leg. God saying, yes, you did. Fuck. (laughs) Sometimes, though, a broken leg is not a pre-planned event. Sometimes... It's a random thing that happens. Sometimes it's because of black magic cast against you or illegal or legal cases that the adversary has made against you in the courts of heaven. Sometimes it's not the adversary, it's other demons. Sometimes they're looking at your ancestors' track record or might be something that you say randomly And they take it the wrong way and start a legal case against you in the courts of heaven. And now you are just flucked, you know, you're cluster flucked. Okay. Like, come on. So sometimes you get a spirit attachment because you met somebody with a spirit attachment and you're an empath and you say, Oh, let me relieve that pain in your body. And you put your hands on them and that spirit crawls right on up your arm and attaches itself to your spine. And now you're the one that has it. You know, some of the shit is not pre-planned at all. It's not fate. It's not destiny at all. Some of it is just, you know, a random event. You happen to, you know, zig when you should have zagged. You meet someone you shouldn't have had. And um, because of your free will and because you're 
a good person and you have love and compassion, you know, they put a gun to your head and say, give me your wallet or your life. Shit. I knew I should have walked down the other street. Damn it. You know, ah. <laughs> you know, sometimes though those events like a random robbery or a random whatever, you know, sometimes you did not pre-plan to lose something extremely important to you, but your spirit guide says, you know what? They're too attached to that crystal. They're too attached to those tarot card reading recordings that they have in their, you know, in their, uh, tablet. So let's have someone, a thief will put them in the path. And then the thief's Maybe there's a guy who's a, a thief, but he's not really an evil person. He's just like a thief right now. And let's put them in the path of each other. And he'll steal that tablet. And, you know, this person won't be attached any longer to those readings because they're reading too much into the readings. This happens. Uh, it happened to Shirley MacLaine. She was, she had a bunch of channelings done and she um, had them put on tape. <laughs> this was back in the day, right in the eighties. She had them on, um, four CDs even. So she had them on cassette tape and she had, um, she lost them and it, it broke her heart. Cause she was listening to them. You know, every couple of days she'd listen again and again to the channelings and take notes and try to figure shit out and, and, you know, trying to figure out what she should be doing with her life. And she was planning everything based on what the channeler told her, but the point was to move forward with your life. You have random events, you have free will, but you have the pre-planned stuff and you shouldn't worry about what a psychic or a channeler or whatever tells you. You shouldn't rely too much on that. You shouldn't rely on, you know, holding that amethyst every day so tightly. Otherwise you think something bad's going to happen. And that's why sometimes we lose these things. Like I had a crystal that I lost for years. Then it showed up again. And then I lost it for years. And then it showed up in fucking Guatemala. How the hell did that happen? I was just like, you know what, crystal, if you're meant to be with me, you're going to show up in another place in my future. I love you very much. And I do want to see you again, but right now I'm not going to buy you. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I'm not going to buy you. It was so weird. I, a couple of my rocks, this guy had a, a couple of my rocks. I'm like, how the, f they're in storage. I'm paying for storage every month. How the fuck are my rocks on this guy's table right now? These are rocks that I held on to for a long time. I'm like, I don't know what's going on right now, but this world is fucking crazy. <laughs> but, um, but I have noticed that you, things will be taken away from you if you rely on them too much. If you lean on something like a crutch, you know, like if you're reading your cards excessively and all the time, every day, what does he think about me? What is, what does she want from me? What does he think about me? What does she want from me? And you're like every day, every day, every day with your cards, you're not living your life. You're not using your intuition. You're not talking to the person. Don't sit around angry at someone for two fucking years because they're not asking you on a date when you never bothered to ask them if they're even gay. 
you think they're your your true love and your soulmate and your or your twin flame or something and you haven't and you're too chicken shit to ask if they're gay even it's not that hard of a question you don't say it out loud you know so much but you could be like um yeah i was wondering if you would like to go on a date with me and if they say oh i don't date men i'm not gay oh okay now you know they're not gay you know you know or they say well i'm seeing somebody right now but thank you for the offer or they'll say that sounds fantastic i think you're pretty cute so yeah let's go not that like people talk like that no one's really that honest with each other i don't understand it i'm overly and extremely honest with people and it really disarms them <laughs> like something wrong with her she's so honest it's like yeah i actually am I'm, I'm i'm too fucking honest and i hurt too many people's feelings too often <laughs> but that's a whole nother discussion all right so what are some of the other things so i started looking at this i'm like okay not everything is pre-planned out what is it that we pre-plan okay we pre-plan the key people that we need to meet in order to transmute our karma. We want to figure out some things with our soulmates. We want to prepare to meet sometimes our twin flames if you're on the twin flame journey. Some people are key people because they are teachers for us, not necessarily our grade school teachers, although sometimes they are. And sometimes our teachers are people that, you know, maybe we, we pre-planned gain into a car accident with them and having an intensely philosophical conversation with them while waiting for the tow truck. Next thing you know, bada boom, bada bing, you've got a best friend and a funny, cute meat story, meat cute, whatever. I always thought it was cute meat. It makes sense. Meat cute doesn't make as much sense as cute meat. Anyway, <laughs> I think it came from a timeline where it used to be called cute meat. Anyway, um, so so what do you pre-plan? You pre-plan your diseases or your physical ailments that will help you work off your karma. Also, we cannot be perfect. We always have to have something and we have to pick something to remind us that we're not perfect. Even in heaven, while we're still working on ourselves, there's always going to be a flaw. Someone might have an ugly mole on their face or a scar, or they'll choose to uh, show up even in heaven with like a limp, you know, something will happen, you know, or they will, you know, everyone picks something where we know we're not perfect. We all have at least one flaw, you know, even in the most beautiful loving place ever, which is heaven, because when, until we're perfected completely, we cannot appear perfect. By the way, I read that in a Sylvia Brown book once. It blew my mind. I thought that was pretty cool. So we pre-plan the people. We pre-plan some of the circumstances of our lives. You know, we, we pre-plan um, tests that we definitely have to go through. Um, sometimes that test might be getting cancer. How do we handle it? How do we, uh, handle it when people leave us? Cause they're afraid of being around someone that has cancer. How do we handle it when, um, we're helpless and other people have to help us when we're super mad independent, 
you know, um, and, and sometimes we come here, um, and, and cancer isn't a test for us. Sometimes it is a help to all the people that help us. Right. Sometimes, you know, like when I got it, I just, um, drank a, a juice for 21 days and then I was fine. It all went away really quickly. Thank you, God. And thank you to Renato, my ex-boyfriend. He was a narcissist and a gaslighter, but that fucker saved my life. He had the right recipe at the right time. So guess what? I pre-planned meeting Renato because, and I pre-planned meeting him at the time that I did so that he could save my life. And God bless him for that. I do love him dearly. You know, and I think on some level, his soul loves me. I feel it. You know, I think he's a narcissist. I don't think he can actually. I don't think he knows or understands what love is. He also might be autistic. I don't know. I, I've always wondered about it. It might just be the damn language barrier because he doesn't speak English at all. But he was a very interesting person to talk to sometimes, just in general. But anyway, but he was, he. so I had a circumstance that I pre-planned. And he was one of my key people I needed to be with or know at that moment. I had a little bit of karma with him. He needed to save my life. And he was a soulmate. And I wanted to say goodbye, you know, in the 3D, because we're not ever going to be here again in 3D. So I wanted to be with him for a little while, you know, have a little, you know, a cuddle here and there, you know. So we had a six-month relationship, and now it's over. Now it was like six years ago. So that's some of the things... But we, we, so some of the minor events for me, cancer was a minor event. It was 21 days of my life, but he saved my life and I learned how to cure, you know, um, cancer in general. And if you, any of you need the recipe, just write me at mermaidgirl888 on Instagram and I will immediately for free, hundred percent, give you the, the recipe, but we do plan our major events, our major life events. Are we going to give birth? how many kids we're going to give birth to. I mean, you know, are we going to be with a partner and, and, and get kids, you know, somehow are we going to adopt? Are we going to have genetically, you know, our own kids genetically, you know, how are we going to work this through? You know, so this is the stuff we pre-plan. Are we going to go to university? You know, um, are we going to get our degree this time? Um, you know, are we going to buy a house by the age of 40 with cash? These are the kinds of things, like these are the, you know, you pick out your accomplishments, your major life events, like your marriages, your, your relationships that are key. So I've had, um, two marriages already, but I've had like maybe seven or eight relationships. And let me ask God, did did I need to have all those relationships? No, fuck really. Did I have four of my relationships that I did not have to have? Yeah. Five. No. So four of those relationships are freaking random events that I didn't even need to do. Wasting my time. I didn't need to do it. But I didn't know, you know, hey, you're killing time waiting for the next guy, you know, that is your karmic, you know, person, right? Or your soulmate. Or now for me, I'm waiting for my twin flame. And I mean, I've got a lot of men. I had two men contact me today that really want to make a life with me. And I love these guys. These guys are awesome, but I, I'm waiting for my twin flame. So I'm like, eh, you know, I mean, I would just rather be your friend right now. This is just where we're at. All right. You know, 
not trying to be mean, but I'm also not trying to, you know, string them along. I'm like, no, it's just, I just want a friend right now, man. So there's also random stuff that happens like the illegal and legal cases. Like I mentioned, black magic, you know, can really fuck up your day or your life, you know, or a year. Um, accidents, some of them are bad. Some of them are good. Some of them are happy accidents and some are unhappy. Now a happy accident is serendipity. It's, it's what happens when, um, you run into someone that you didn't expect to run into and you recognize them. And it's like, Oh my God, like, let me ask God, God, was I meant to meet Vera? Yeah. So meeting Vera and becoming her friend, that was a happy accident. She's one of my soulmates. I love her so much. The day I told you guys this story where the day we saw each other literally from across a crowded room and we both started screaming at the top of our lungs. Oh my God. Hey girl. Oh my God. And we ran to each other as fast as we could. We threw our arms around each other, tears streaming down our face, hopping up and down, jumping up and down, couldn't stop screaming, couldn't stop screaming. Ah! <laughs> and then we get, then we get done with all that. And I look and Vera's two friends looking at her like, what the fuck is happening? Who's this white chick? Who is this, who's this woman, right? <laughs> and Vera's like, okay, so this is the thing. This is my dear friend, one of my oldest and dearest friends. That's what she said about me. And she said her name is, oh shoot, I forgot your name. I'm like, how could you forget my name? Oh my God. I'm like, one of your best, oldest and dearest friends. And she's like, oh, you, you're always like this. She's like, besides, you never call, you never write. And I'm all, well, I don't even have your phone number. I'm like, but let me put it in my phone. Your name is, oh shit. I don't know your name either. And then we both got really spooked and really quiet (laughs) uncharacteristically. And we looked at each other like, Oh fuck. We've never met each other in this life. Holy shit. That was some crazy soulmate shit, right? She's my soul family. Like, damn. And that's, it could be that strong. Like you recognize that person to the point where when my birth mother saw my friend Vera on TV, she was on, um, the price is right. And she made it all the way through the prices, right? Got to the very end and she missed the showcase, but she walked away with a truckload of prizes. God bless her. I was so happy for her. I do need to call her. She's been on my mind for weeks. She said, my mother called me. She said, I just saw the prices, right? And she went on and on and on about it. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And she's like, I don't know. It was like so weird. I think she must be a friend of yours or something. I just feel like you know her and I know her. And I just love this woman so much. And I'm just like, whatever. Mommy, I didn't like really pay attention. And then then I hang up. My friend Vera calls. Oh, I won the prices, right? (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. Called my mom again. I'm like, what was that lady you're talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, was her name Vera? And she's like, oh my God. I'm like, it's my friend Vera. But how did you recognize her? You know, like so fucking random, right? But I wasn't meant to meet her in this life. And I ran into a Native American man at a gas station and he said he never leaves the res and he was needing to get some gas for 
his uh, other truck and he had to get gas for his car. And he's like, yeah, he's like, someone randomly paid me like 15 bucks. They owed me. So I decided to come up, come on down and get some gas. I never leave the rest, like hardly ever. And he's like, it's so weird. We're running into each other right now. He says, but I have to tell you something. I'm like, what? He said, I really missed you. And I didn't expect that we were going to catch up until after we died and got back to heaven. But I think about you a lot. And I think about you from time to time. I'm like, oh man, you know, I love you so much and I've missed you so much. And we are like kissing each other on the cheek. I think we might even kissed on the lips a little bit, like just a quick, like peck. Cause he's just like my dear, dear friend. And we hugged each other so long. And my kids are like, what the fuck, dude? You don't even know that guy. My daughter, he could have been a, a serial killer. Like what? I'm like, no, he's my friend. And she's like, what's his name? I'm like, I don't fucking know what his name is here. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. But I've had this circumstance happen to me a lot <laughs> in this life. And it is, that's random. That's wild shit. And it all comes from the free will stuff. You know, like my daughter never wanted to go to France, but she was randomly chosen because of, I believe, Diane Feinstein, the, the senator. She and my daughter had this ongoing dialogue, and I believe that Diane Feinstein recommended her for um, an ambassador program to teach youthful children, uh, you know, like young, young children, like she was like in, in sixth grade or something. Or no, she's in fifth grade. And, and there's this program to go to France and um, they were going to meet up with the French people and, you know, government there. And then they were going to go to like England and they were going to go meet people in parliament and they were just going to meet different people in different parts of the government to see how things work and function. And they had all these activities planned and, you know, I was, and I was like, if you want to go, I will try to send you. And she's like, I don't want to fucking go away from you. I'm like, okay. But I'm like, it was fun to have the trip and to learn about this thing and just to see what you were, you know, being, you know, volunteered for or whatever. And it was like a lot of money. And I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? And then, and then I saw this guy sitting there at a table and he had this waterless car wash. I'm like, I need your phone number and I'm going to get some waterless car wash this is what we're going to do. We're going to wash our way to France, <laughs> you know, and I was trying to get it where I could pay for the three of us to go. And maybe I could be a chaperone, you know, cause I didn't want to leave my, my kid alone. But I'm like, if I can't, I, you know, I'll send you, if you really want to go, she's like, I don't want to go. I'm not interested in any of those activities. All those kids look stuck up. I don't like the energy of the room. I'm like, you don't have to go, but we had a delightful day anyway. And we're going to eat out, aren't we? We're going to have fun. We went over to the casino and had and had at lunch, uh, like a really big dinner, actually. It was really, really fun. It was really nice. I ran into another person I knew from heaven in that casino also. Same day. Like, damn, this shit is getting wild. <laughs> and it's all because we have free will. And we decided to take a drive up to Reading and learn about this program, which we decided to say no to anyway. But, but hey... It is what it is. It's like really crazy, like how, you know, and it was, and it was recommended for kids that are interested in government 
and and the ambassadorship was to go speak to people throughout Europe that are in government to ask questions and learn how things work in other countries to bring back knowledge to this country. Because my daughter was constantly writing about politics when she was 10 years old to all of the senators, to Barbara Boxer, to Dianne Feinstein. She had talked to both of them, but she had a, a, a special kind of friendship with Feinstein. Like they just really saw eye to eye on some things. And when they didn't, she really listened to my daughter's ideas. It was really, and she's like, you know, look, I'm 10 years old, but this is what I'm thinking. And I saw some of their, their back and forth emails one day. I'm like, are you writing to a a Senator? She's like, well, no, I'm just reading her, her reply to me. I'm like, Oh my God, what the hell? I thought you're playing video games like a normal kid. You know, how many 10 year olds do that? That was nuts. Right. So that was just one of those crazy random things. And you know, for a while, my daughter's like, well, maybe I should go into politics. Maybe I should be a lawyer. Maybe I should do some of this stuff. All right, now knowledge has come and laid down on my notebook. She's she's making sure she's taking up the whole space of the notebook. And I think she needs some attention. So now I've got to pause this, I think. P-A-W-S. <laughs> hi, baby girl. What are you doing? You going to say hi to the people? No? No? That was me meowing, trying to get her, trying to, you know, like, you know how you put a dollar in the tip jar to get it started? I'm trying to get the cat started by meowing at her, but no. You know, your, your, your paws are very, oh, stop walking on the computer, dude. Come on. Are you going to be a menace to our society? Okay. (laughs) What are you doing? Are you being a menace right now? So, okay. So now that the cat is done with her little protest of my doing my show. <laughs> She's done laying on the notebook. <sighs> I mean, she was like spreading herself out as wide as she could to cover the whole thing. <laughs> oh, I, even just stretching her paws out to make sure she's covering as much space as she could. Hilarious. All right. Um, okay. So some of the other things that we were talking about. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you just don't expect random cool. A lot of the stuff is cool stuff. Some of it is like, you know, your, your spirit guide and and someone else's spirit guide. They know your friends in heaven. They know your friends from another life. They'll go, wouldn't it be fun just for shits and giggles? They're in the same town. Let's put them at the same gas station just for fun. Let's put them in the same casino. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a hoot? Put them in the same travel convention. Oh, they're going to love it. They won't even know it hit them. They're going to recognize each other too. We're going to whisper in their ears. It's going to be fun to watch. And these are the happy accidents, the happy surprises, the serendipities. And then there's the bad accidents where you get into a car accident. And sometimes you'll be prevented from having a car accident that you would have had if you had gone on at a different time because it wasn't pre-planned. But sometimes, you know, the powers that be can see that, oh shit, don't go there now. And sometimes you do have a bad accident because it was a lesson you needed to learn or you needed to knock out karma really quick. Maybe you needed to have a broken leg and go to the hospital at the same time as your true love or something like that. You know, it might be 
a weird cute meat or, you know, there's something, there's some reason, right? There's always a reason for all this stuff. And, but a lot of it is free will and a lot of it's random as well. But sometimes even the random events are being orchestrated behind the scenes, you know, by your, your higher self, your, uh, uh, spirit guides or your guardian angel. Okay. And you know, because our guides and our angels, especially of all of our soul family, they're always interacting with each other anyway. It's all very, very cool how it all works. So sometimes it's like, oh shit, you know what? You know, like something happened to me in, in Colombia. We were going to leave the very next day on a plane. We are already bought the tickets. And my daughter's like, you know, I really want to get an art book so that I could draw on the plane so I could draw while I'm in the jungle. I want to draw some of the things I saw here and I just need a notebook. And, And we looked in 10 different places that day, could not find a notebook. And I'm like, what the hell? And I said, God, please let us have, you know, an, an art book, you know, without lines. And it's something really nice that my daughter can have. So it'd be like kind of a souvenir from Columbia, but also something that she could use, you know, to draw. And also I was thinking around the same time, I really miss my friend Oscar. I really love this guy and I really want to give him a nice hug and kiss him goodbye. And let him know that I'm leaving, <clears throat> you know, the city. So I ran into a friend of mine and while I'm talking to him, here comes Oscar carrying a notebook. He said, do you guys want to buy this art book? It's like a, you know, it's like a book. It's a hardbound book. And on the cover of it was my daughter's favorite street art that she said, I wished I had this street art. I'm like, holy shit. This is one of those random events was not pre-planned. <clears throat> it was one of those things that was not fate was not destiny, but it came together as if it was destiny because all of our collective higher selves, spirit guides and guardian angels got together and said, wouldn't this be a fun incident to happen? Because these kinds of incidences make us question the nature of reality and existence and the nature of the universe. And if you don't believe in God, enough of these events happen. Oh boy, you're going to start to believe in something. You're going to be like, Oh my God, this is too orchestrated for it not to have been something of a higher power at this point. Some shit is going on behind the scenes. And now we're going to question it. When you start to question reality is when you really start to spiritually grow. And that's when things really get wild. <laughs> so <clears throat> some of the other things we talked about, uh, I keep skipping over this part. So the cards, you know, I mean the, the, the wild cards. Uh, all right. You pick your parents they pick you, everybody agrees. And then your parents get born obviously before you. And they're like, Oh, we could use condoms or, Oh, 
I think that guy over there is hotter or I like this woman instead or whatever. And now they don't get together for another 10 years and you needed to be born in that moment. So now what? So a lot of times you'll be born to other parents, maybe on the same block. If you needed to grow up in that neighborhood for a specific reason, because maybe your soulmate lives there or, you know, there's like a million and one (coughs) reasons. In fact, there's 8 billion people on the planet. So there's 8 billion stories and they're all different because God is not boring. God does not repeat himself. He doesn't have a need to know everything before it happens. God does not know the outcome of a lot of this stuff. This is an ever growing, ever changing world, depending on our every choice. You can choose to never take a sip of alcohol, or you could choose to become an alcoholic. You could choose to drink six whiskeys tonight or only one or none at all. You can choose to have a beer or a soda. And all of these things are going to affect your health. So what if you chose, you know, all this stuff and everything's pre-planned out and then you decide I like junk food and fuck vegetables. And now you're going to be eating really crappy and now your health goes to shit and you didn't get your stuff done. Well, why not? I was too busy watching porn, masturbating and eating junk food. That's why I didn't go to university. (laughs) You die and you're like, God, I really fucked that up, didn't I? I'm just kidding. Not that you guys would do that. I, I'm not that way either. I did get my degree, but I, but some people like they get here and they're like a kid in a candy store with all the shit available. Oh my God. Sex is really good. I didn't know. Didn't anticipate how great that was going to be. Oh, cigarettes. Oh my God. Have you ever puffed on one of those things? Oh my God. Right. <laughs> It's like smoking fire. Like, holy shit. Have you had chocolate? Oh my God. I mean, you guys have seen like, like in the news where people are 800 pounds and they have to remove the the roof and airlift them out with a crane. Those are people that got caught up in how good Doritos and chocolate are, you know? Although sometimes maybe that is pre-planned. Maybe they made fun of people. Maybe they fat shamed people in the past life. And now they're the ones that the whole world has seen. That could possibly be a punishment that they chose for themselves. And I know people who have gotten really, really overweight because of horrible things that happened to them or because they're pushing people away with their physical body. The more scared they get of being in a relationship, the bigger they get. I, my dear, dear friend Dale was like that. God rest his soul. I loved him so much. I'd flirt with him just to... <laughs> my friend Tom says, just flirt with him. I mean, I, this old guy needs it. I'm like, I think it scares him. I think he's going to get bigger. He's like, I know he's pushing you away. He's pushing everyone away. I didn't want a relationship with him. I was a married lady, but I'd be like, oh, Dale, you know, you're so handsome. And he was a handsome guy. He was the biggest person I'd ever met in my life, but he was a handsome guy even still. And he, he was sweet, loving beyond, you know, just loved him so much. He was one of my biggest supporter, supporting emotional support people. But, um, you know, so some of that stuff is wild cards. Some of it's random and some of it's cause you got here and because of your free will, you're like, 
fuck, cheesecake is so fucking good, man. I can't stop, you know? (laughs) I mean, Golden Girls, they couldn't stop eating cheesecake every damn episode. Let's get out the cheesecake, you know? Um, Because some of the stuff in this world, some of the pleasures of this world are quite pleasurable. And we do have free will to engage or not engage. And some people live their whole lives in a mountain or in a cave saying they're a monk. The Buddhist monks just got arrested in Thailand, a bunch of them, because they're smoking meth. (laughs) It's like, whoa. Do you guys know that Amish people have gotten arrested for transporting cocaine like a few decades ago? Like, holy shit, man. You know, you think that, you know, it's like these people choose this kind of a life for themselves. They pre-plan those events, but then they didn't know how good the meth was going to be. They didn't know how much they were going to like the money from selling the Coke or whatever it was. You know, it's like (laughs) you pre-plan a life, but then fucking free will comes in. Probably the random event of meeting the drug dealer in the first place. Hey, man, hey, you want to check out this? Hey, you know? <laughs> so it's like a random event, and then you've got the free will. You could say no or yes, but I mean, you're you're a monk. You're bored. You're wearing the sheet. Like, what could go wrong? You're in a protected environment. Police never come around. Oh man, the police came and decided randomly to drug test these guys. Now in the monastery, there's like two people left. <laughs> they were all doing it. They all tested positive. Shit, man. Oh, I'm sorry for them, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's the free will. It's a random shit. And, and a lot of this random stuff is because of, of, like I said, the evil thing. So, all right. Why do babies die? Sometimes there's no soul in the body because the soul chooses to exit really fast. So the baby's still born. Sometimes the baby dies right after it's born because that is a lesson the parents chose. So a soul will choose to be born and then die like, you know, a week later or a couple months later. And sometimes the timing is just shit. So that's why we have miscarriages. And the baby's like, oh shit, I needed to be born a couple years later because my, my twin flame was, you know, I don't want him to be 60 years older than me or whatever, or, or three years older than me is fine, but you know, not eight years older than me. So I got to wait five more years. Maybe your parents have the free will choice of gaining an abortion or using condoms or not having sex that day at all, you know, or, or maybe waiting until they're married. And now you've got to be born at that same time and place. So you got to be, you got to be a little creative and find another set of parents that were your alternatives. You might have alternative parents, B and C and D because of free will. <laughs> and that's why everything is fucking random and chaotic and also pre-planned and destined. I hope this clears it up. Hopefully it didn't. Um, so this is the best way I could, I could come up with, with, you know, this for right now, but I hope you guys learned a lot from this one. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff like it doesn't make sense why a baby would like choose to be born and then a month later die. Like, Dude, really? Sometimes souls will check out. Or sometimes they'll be born in a body that's like really messed up. And they're like, I did not like this genetic stuff. Sometimes the genes of the body 
will take over and that's not what the baby chose. Sometimes you can choose your genetics while you're in the womb and directing it from your higher self. And sometimes the mothers will have the free will choice to drink a lot and you did not want to come here with fetal alcohol syndrome. So sorry, I got to go. Or maybe you choose to be born and live through fetal alcohol syndrome for two or three months and then die from that. So now the mother learned the lesson of drinking and all of it, no matter what it is, it's all made from love. Some of it's tough love. Some of some of it's motherfucking tough love, but it's all coming from love. It's all coming from love. And I've, I've uh, noticed in my life what's random, what's karmic. <laughs> and karmic isn't always bad. Most everything is karma. The, the things that we pre-plan usually is our karmic lessons. We want to get through it this time. I finally had kids with my husband. We finally got married. Yes. And we lasted for 13 years and then he died. Well, then we divorced and then he died. But we got through it. Thank God. So now I don't have to go through that anymore. Oh my God. So check that one off the list of things I needed to experience here. And I've been trying to do that for many, many lifetimes. It's just the free will shit, the random shit kept getting in the way. So even though I pre-planned to meet him and I met him, all the other things we planned didn't always come to pass because of free will. But we also get to live each life up to a thousand times, maybe even more. So I've lived this life as Elena. This is my 1,000th time. And I've had 33 different lives. I remember most of them. I remember like 20 of them. I'm, I'm writing a book about it. I will let you guys know probably next year when it's out. But yeah, so this is it. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Metaphysical Soul Speak. I hope you've learned some of these things that you didn't know. And if so, just share, keep sharing guys. Thank you for sharing so much. I'm so happy that you guys are actually sharing the show, share the show. And if you could donate 99 cents a month, that would be great. If you all did, I would, I would be easier. It'd be easier for me to continue the show five days a week next year. That's all I'm saying. Otherwise it's going to go down to like one or two days a week only. So that it is what it is, but, um, I gotta work. I gotta do other things to actually have a job and support myself and all that. Anyway, I will be back uh, tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. Tomorrow is the Earth Changes Report and weekly weird world news. This is the final season of me doing those, unless some major financial blessing comes my way, and I'm open to it for sure. But, uh, anyway, that's it. Um, for tonight, I love you guys very much. I'm grateful we're on the spiritual journey together. I'm really, really happy about that. So let's keep it up while we can. Anyway, um, that's it. I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Until next time, guys, peace. guys, I've been making episodes of Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast 
for a while now and many of you have contacted me wondering just how you can support me and my podcast. Well, I have two solutions for this question. Number one is to become a listener supporter in which you go to the Anchor app, locate my channel, and sign up anywhere from $0.99 cents to $9.99 monthly, and you can stop anytime. Or number two is to make a one-time donation of any amount via Zelle, bank to bank, or through PayPal using my email, mermaidgirl888 at gmail.com, also located in the show description. Now with this option, you aren't uh, obligated monthly in any way, and you're also not limited. Thank you all so much in advance for your support. Let's keep Metaphysical Soul Speak on the air and onward and upward to the fifth dimension together, guys. Thank you.